Good morning. Welcome to Waypoint Church. My name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders uh, um, of our church. This coming Saturday is a really significant date for us as a church. Um, you'll know we've been on a long journey with this building, and it's a, it's a fabulous building. We're now going to the North Building as well. And we put this date, this Saturday, is in our diary to, to actually stop and to thank God. Thank God for this incredible t- thing that he's given us. Many of us have worked really hard and given hard. Some of us are new here and we're just enjoying it and we're so glad you're with us. But we think it's important to stop and to look back and to thank God for his faithfulness. So we're going to give thanksgiving, but we're also going to dedicate this place to God and say, God, everything that happens in the South Building and the North Building and the car parks and all around, we want this to be your territory, your country, God. We want this to be your home. And we're saying, God, will you take full possession of it. Uh, it'd be great to gather as a church. Uh, I know many of you have been in the building and you know it, but let's stop and to thank. Let's fill this place. We've got lots of, of leaders and MPs and all those are going to come and, and different folks from around the country who have cheered us on are going to, we're going to have, I think, got like 20 or 30 different guests who are here and we've got our builders and our project managers and all those, but let's be a church family that comes together and say, this is a God's house and we are thankful to him and we want to declare. So will you be there at two o'clock? Fantastic, and that's going to be a great thing. So back to this morning, and uh, we're going to have our, our, our Bible reading from Sue. As Sue comes up, I encourage you to turn your Bible on or open it up to um, Ephesians chapter 1, and she's going to read from verse 15 and the first few verses. The reading is from Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in, the Lord, in Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people... I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glory and inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thanks. I'll leave your Bible open. We're going to have a little dig around that. If you were with us last week, you know we're just kicking off a new series um, called Ephesians, A New Thing. And what we're doing is, is we're going to go through this, this letter of Ephesians, this, this book that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church that, that met in Ephesus. Uh, and we, we saw last week from in, in Acts 19, we, we have an insight into what happened in Ephesus. This city that, well, let me just show you, tell you a little bit about the city. Uh, recap, it's a city which isn't just a little dusty place. It was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire, population about three, sorry, about a quarter of a million, 250,000 people. It was a huge huge city. Um, there are some pictures. It's an odd city. You can actually go and visit it now. It's not occupied, but you can get a sense of what the, the church would have seen. And these pictures we just took in September. So these are real 
five pictures. Um, it, it, Ephesus, besides being this big city, it was also the center uh, of culture, and there would have been arts and, and creativeness and sports, and had a massive uh, um, amphitheater with, with concerts and things going on. It was a crossroads of trade and industry, massive thriving um, businesses and money and banking was happening there. Uh, education, there was a huge library and lots of people would have had thoughts and philosophy and stuff happening there and, and gaining knowledge. It was also the place of one of the seven wonders of the world, which was the, uh, the temple of Artemis. And apparently it had a thousand shrine prostitutes and people would come as their worship would sleep with a prostitute. So it was a it was a messed up, messy, confused, pressurized environment. And in that, there was the message of Jesus that impacted some people and, and it changed their lives and it grew and it grew. And there was miracles and it says everyone in the region heard about the truth of Jesus. And it didn't just change people and, and fill their heads with more knowledge. Is It began to impact society. There was big movements where people were burning um, scrolls that were to... Um, to witchcraft and things like that. 50,000 denarios worth of, of, of scrolls of witchcraft. So uh, denario is one day's worth of salary. So it was multi-million pounds of burning things, burning idols and things that f- focus on other gods. Their passion to follow Jesus was so significant and hit their lives so much, it impacted the very trade of the city. The whole city knew about it. There was almost a riot against them because this way, this following of Jesus... It changed people's lives individually, but it also changed them corporately, and it changed the society. And this is who Paul was writing to, the church who had seen great things of God, but he wanted to encourage them that God hasn't finished with them yet, that there were still greater things to come, that God was bigger than that and had some incredible things for them. And we looked last week at how we started. Paul started the first 14 verses of this letter. Well, was this simple truth is our starting point is remember, however big your view of God is, however big your challenge you face, is that God is bigger. In verse three, it says that, that we've been blessed in the spiritual realms with every spiritual blessing. And then Paul unpacks it and saying, you need to understand and get this perspective that God is bigger, that you have been chosen and elected and predestined and adopted. You've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. There's the grace of God and God's wisdom and his understanding. And God moves from past and present and gives you his deposit, the spirit as a deposit, seals himself on your life. God has given us everything we need and our starting point with whatever challenges you face in your own life and around. If you want to see new things of God, our starting point is get the perspective that God is bigger. If you missed the sermon, I encourage you to catch up on our podcast because it's a real significant foundation stone of, of, of wanting to see new things of God, of this letter. It starts with God is bigger. And then he says, having established that, having known who God is and this bigger view of God, he then goes into our reading from verse 15. And he says, ever since I've known you, I pray, I've given thanks to God. And then he prays a very unusual thing. Because surely if you're facing lots of challenges, as I'm sure many of us are, and if not in personal lives or relationship or work or school or look at our news and our world is facing problems. And he's saying, look, God is bigger and remember that. And then this is my prayer. You would think his prayer, I would think his prayer would be now face the giant. Now take it down. Now God is bigger. So go get him. But he doesn't. He says, my prayer is this. 
that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the Holy Spirit of God, he may help you know God better. That, that's his prayer. Isn't that a weird prayer? You know, God is really, really big. And what your biggest prayer is that you know him, that he's even bigger, that you know him even more. However your big view is of God, God is bigger than that. And my big prayer is that you may know him even more. Now, what's this about? This isn't about knowledge. It's about something else. What it's about is it's about knowing God personally. How many have smartphones? If you have a smartphone, you'd like to pull your smartphone out, please. And um, they're, aren't they, they're, they're, these are very powerful things, aren't they? And they're very distracting things. In fact, when I was just doing, I just had a text come through. My phone just buzzed. As I'm talking, I thought my phone buzzed. And I'm, I'm, I'm not opening up because I don't know who it's from. But it's, you're, who, as soon as they get a text, you've got to look at it. Because it's an in, this thing in your pocket, and you get a text there. And, and you can make things, I believe, called phone calls on them. You've, anyone use it for phone calls still? You do, actually. But how many use it for, you have to Google something? You Google to find out fact on anything? Um, Satnav, who, who knows that blessed thing called Satnav? That has saved so many relationships, hasn't it? Uh, Satnav, and, and you can find your health. Anyone do the health check to say how many, use it as a pedometer to see how many paces you take? And, anyone, and how many steps? And you go, I've done more than that. And you've argued with your phone. Um, how about social media? Any, any social media fiends who are, are right now tweeting and saying, maybe I should have gone somewhere else. Anyone doing that? Or you're going, ooh, that's trending. And no, I shouldn't be looking at that. And, and, <laughs> and what else is on your phone? Um, anyone read your Bible on your phone? Yeah. Yep, you do that. How about older, anyone listen to, listen to books on your phone? Anyone do that? Okay. Uh, and what, watch videos? Anyone watch videos on their phones? Yep, okay. Uh, what else do you do? Take pictures. Anyone take pictures on the phone? Um, th- there's a lot of stuff this can do, isn't there? And how many, all of, you trip across another thing? Oh, I didn't know it could do that. I didn't know. And it, it can do a heck of a lot of stuff, can't it? Can it do more than, how, than the amount that you use it at the moment? There is. There's millions of apps. There's, some are pointless. Some are really good. Uh, the, the truth is, the phone in our pocket, the phone we have here, it can do an incredible amount of things. But the truth is, we only use it to a limited amount. We don't use the full extent of it. We use just some of it. And most of the time, I use it for texts, for phone calls, and... That's about it. I trust I don't use, I don't use it very much. You, many of you know that I'm registered blind and, and I have a big screen just that helps me to see it, can enlarge it. You also can, you can dictate to it, it can read out and there's some useful things, but it can do a heck of a lot more than what I use it for. Why am I saying this? Is what Paul is saying is he says your, your opening perspective when it comes to seeing God do a new thing, something that will change your life and our lives and our community lives is starting is that God is bigger than the challenges that you face and God is bigger than the view that you have of him. He said start with that wider perspective. He's in his prayer is and then make sure that it's personal. Make sure it's not just I have a God in my pocket and I give him a few things but the rest of the stuff is well I just get on with myself. Because if I'm honest, I think that's often how I live and probably how most of us live. Is we know God is great, but a lot of stuff, we just get on with life and do different things. And Paul says, if you want to see more of God, if you want to see God do greater things, to do new things, to transform situations, is you need to know more of Jesus. Know Jesus better. Know God better. Is to dig it and find out. And, and do you know, how, how do you find how do you use your phone more? How do you know how to use more apps? It's really simple. You either have to study it, chat with someone about it, have a go at it. It's, you just need to get stuck in. Is that, is that fair? 
So how do you get to know Jesus better? The exact same way. Is you spend some time with him. Is you chat to people about him. Is that you keep going and looking and exploring. But what so often happens with phones and with God is we find a certain level and then we get stuck there. And Paul's going, don't get stuck there because as soon as you're stuck there, you limit its use. You limit your personal experience and it limits what God can do. I, I wonder, how many of us have got a little bit stuck with our view of Jesus? You know, we know that he created all things and we know that election. We know, we, we know all those great things from the beginning, those first 14 verses. But, but we know it in our head, but, but we don't really know it in our lives. You know, we know it's on our phone, but we don't really use it. We, we know the truth in our heads, but it doesn't hit our hearts. Because Paul's prayer is saying, if you want to see more of God, it's, just not, it's not just a case of knowing what, what God can do. It's about using it in your everyday lives. It's about understanding that truth that God says that you are forgiven. It's understanding that, that in my everyday life, when I'm feeling guilty, when I'm feeling, oh, that, that thing I did is, yeah, but God says you're forgiven. How does that apply to your life? When it says that, that you, are, you are chosen by God from the beginning of time, how does that impact our everyday lives when you think, well, does God exist? Does God, has God forgotten me? Um, I've just left it on the side. It's understanding more of God. It's making, him, making that truth personal. And the way you do it is by spending time with them. I, I wonder, are you stuck? Have you reached a level and go, well, that's all I'm going to do? Or have you, have you got a, a strategy? Have you got those things in place where you're finding him more? Because an easy question to, to find out where you are. Do you know Jesus better today than you did a week ago? Do you know Jesus better today than you did a month ago? A year ago? And if we're honest on some things we do, and some things if you're going, well, it's been a little bit level. And this is not about telling you off, because he said, remember Paul's prayer, Paul, because I'm praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that it's, it's God breaking in and God revealing. It's not just God revealing, it's us actually getting stuck in, but saying, my prayer is that you might know Jesus better. Why? Because it's not just about knowledge. It's about knowing and personal. Because when we have that big perspective and personal perspective, is that's when we begin to see God do new things. Paul's prayer, his second rock, his second foundation to this church had seen great things and wanted to see great things, was know Jesus better. And he goes on, but he doesn't just pray for that. Well, he sort of unpacks it. He then goes in verse 18. He says, my, my prayer is that, 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 God, that the eyes of your heart, anybody have eyes in their heart? Now, okay, it's not obviously biological because that, that's just that you need to see a doctor if you really have those. Well, what he's doing is, it, it, it's that, that the imagery is there, is that you're, the heart of your personality, the heart of who you are. He's still unpacking this, that you might know God better, and, and being personal. He, he said, my prayer is that the eyes of the heart may be enlightened, so that you might what? So that you might see the hope that's found in Jesus. He said, I, I pray that you might know Jesus better, and I pray that you might, unpacking this, is that you might know the hope in this. Because here's the thing, what happens often is we, we, we see the big challenges in our lives and we hear the, the bigness of God and, and we hold both those truths and we know God's big and God's big, God's big and then we put our hope in something else. We've got a, a real relational problem and we're going, but I know God's bigger, but how do I work that out? I've got a big financial situation. I know God's bigger, but, but I wish I'd win the lottery. 
is often we put our hope in something else. And Paul is saying, again, it's, it's where do you put your focus? Where do you put your hope? Where do you put your trust? Scripture says, those who wait, those who put their hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It's when we put our hope in the Lord that we are the ones who will rise up on wings of eagles. It says, when you hope in the God who's bigger than all, when we put our hope in him, that's when we see life. The thing is, we may know the scripture, but in practice, what we do is we put our hope in other things. We put our hope and we're saying, well, maybe that will happen. And 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 Because what happens... Has anyone ever felt hopeless? You face a situation and you're going, nothing will change. Even though you know God is great, but you know your problem's great and it doesn't quite fix and you're going and you feel a bit hopeless. And this is what Paul's talking about. Paul's going, in those hopeless moments is you need to put your eyes back on Jesus. See, my prayer is that you may know the Jesus who brings all hope. And, and this verse is in, in, the, in um, the first 14 verses and a little bit more in verse about, was it 20 or 21? He talks about that our God isn't limited in time. He's a God of the past, present and future. Is It may not have been solved now, but saying, but I know that God is aware and I know that God has stepped in and will step in. And he said, my prayer is that you may know that hope. And then there's a really fascinating little, little sort of tweak he does on this. In verse 18, have a little look. It says that you may know that the, the riches of the inheritance of the saints, one description says, or fellow believers. What he's saying here is that the hope of God is not just in the hope of Jesus will sort it out and has sorted it out and came and rose again. It's saying that the hope of Jesus is seen in other followers. Those moments when you feel hopeless, those moments when you go, I'm not sure where God's going to be in there. He says, he says, actually, what you, he said, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may open up and see that the hope of Jesus is actually found the person sat next to you. Now, the thing about this, there's, there's, there's a real deep truth I need to share. Um, have you ever found that some people are really, really annoying? <laughs> have you found that? Do you know when they, they just, they just, do, I mean, obviously no one here, obviously no one here. Okay, let's, let's just, it's, it's other people, okay? And, and have you, do you know those other people when they, they just say the wrong thing at the wrong time? Has you ever encountered that? Or they, you're going, you know, one fact more. If you just do one fact for, so one fact more, you would have, you would have actually not said what you said. Or maybe they just put their foot in it or, or they just said something insensitive or they, they just, and, and have you ever encountered annoying, I said people like that? And yet Paul is saying, I'm praying that you, your eyes and heart may see that the hope of God is in other fellow believers. Because tell me this, have you ever had someone just ask how you're doing at just the right time? They've given you a smile or a hug or they've welcomed you and given you a meal or just helped out in a way that you weren't expecting and it just blessed the socks off you. Have you has that ever happened to you? I, I, this week, sorry, I, I didn't quite ask Bev this. Bev, can I say this? Sure. Thank you. Um, <laughs> la- last, we had an hour of prayer last Sunday night, and, and we were praying. And, and Bev came in about ten. She came. She came um, fifty minutes late to the hour of prayer. Okay. Now, anyone who's thinking to her, hey, at least she turned up. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> and uh, but she turned up and she said, "Sorry if I smell a bit smoking. My car just caught on fire." And, and, and we're going, well, I'm, now, well, in my mind, when a car is a little flame and you get a fire extinguisher and go, shh, and it goes out. Is that what you think? 
I wish I, I saw a picture of it. it it's, it's a fireball. The whole thing is flaming and huge. And I'm going, oh no, now that's a fire. And, and she came and, and, and obviously it's just her, I mean, it's really scary. I mean, we praise God and thank God that she's safe and, and which she is safe and that's good. Uh, and she saved her Bible. That was, that was one thing she took out of her car. Uh, um, but, but she was just really shocked and, and understand that and, and people wrapped around her and loved her and she needed a car and someone in our church just said, you can, you can borrow my car. And, and people looked after her, after her and, and just shared care and love to her. See, that's the hope of Jesus. Paul is praying is, 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 Bev, I'm praying that God will open the eyes of your heart that you may see the hope in the saints around you. See, but he's not just saying that to Bev, he's saying that to you and me. He's saying, I'm praying that, that, that this, this mighty God may be seen in your personal relationships because the truth is it's all around if we have eyes to see. It's weird. We want to see God to do big and mighty things. And what Paul is saying, let's get the foundation right. How big is your view of God and know him personally? This past week, um, Monday uh, to Wednesday, Kathy and I were, were at a conference. Kathy was speaking there and I, I was just the, the husband. And it was lovely to be there. Um, but we actually met some, we, there's some other people we've known for a long time. And I, I, there's one guy I met, a chap called Eddie. And I worked out when, how long, when did I first meet him? I met him when I was 16 years old. That means I've known him for 35 years. That's, I know some of you can't even imagine 35 years, can you? And, and I thought, wow, that, and I, I felt old, but I thought, well, he's even older, so that makes me feel better. And, um, and I first met Eddie when I was 16 years old, like I said. And it was, I've, I shared this about a year ago, it's, it's part of my testimony, Eddie was part of that. And I, I grew up in a Christian home, and I, I've always heard the truth of Jesus, and I always believed it. And I didn't, I, I can't put an exact date of when I, when I said, I want to cross the line of faith and put my faith in Jesus. Because I, I sort of always did that. And in fact, I, I did it lots, who made that prayer lots of times? And, and we do, and, I, and that's okay. And that's okay. And I, I've said lots of times, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I'm sorry for the sin I've done. And I want to commit my life to following you. And I did it as a little kid and a bigger kid and a bigger kid. And, and that's great. But, but what it had a little effect on me when I was 16, I realized, is, is that, that the enemy would whisper, yeah, but are you really a Christian? You know, you said the prayer lots of times. So why do you have to say it again? Aren't you sure? And that was a little sort of a nagging doubt in my head, not quite hopeless, but there's this nagging doubt in my head that they said, are you, are you not sure? And I, I, was at a, I was going on a mission and did some training and the guy was preaching is, is God wants you to be certain that you are chosen and that you are his and, and that you're elected and predestined and adopted. And he, he was doing that and I'm going, do you know, I want that. I'm, I'm really fed up with these doubts and stuff. I want to know that certainty of that hope in Jesus. And, uh, and I responded to the guy's message and I went forward and, and it was all the, if you ever go forward and you want someone to pray with you, it's one of those times, it's like you know, when you go to the toilet and everything's engaged and you're, you're desperate to get someone to pray with you, but it's all engaged and, and I'm, I'm waiting and, and the worship leader is realizing there's a bit of a queue and he says, you know, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And I'm going, I'm not afraid, I just got to go. And not, not in that way, I, I just needed to go. And, and I'm, and I'm umming and erring and I'm, and I'm waiting and then, and then eventually I see a green light and I open the door and it's Eddie there. So I went, I didn't know who he was. And I went, I just need, I just need something of God and I have that assurance. And he went, Mark, I had a name badge. He said, Mark, don't be afraid. 
And, and, I'm, cause, and I've just been saying, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. And I just burst into snot and tears, probably in that order. And, just, and, and God just came and did something and, and just assured me that, that Mark, you're mine and I'm your father. And, and that, was a, that was a real key defining moment that's still impacting my life today. And, and Eddie was the guy who just said, don't be afraid, and prayed with me. And so that was when I was 16 years old. 16 years when I was 32, when I was, I was a minister at another church, and Kathy and I were feeling that God was saying, it's time to move on, and we're not sure where to go, and what do we look at, and whereas it was a very uncertain times of change, and we're saying, what's God saying? And, and I happened to bump into Eddie. I was at Spring Harvest, bumped into Eddie, and he catched up, and, and, and was saying where I was at, and some of the challenges, and he said, well, let me, let me pray for you, and, and let me just introduce you to someone. And, and it was just God used Eddie to, to, Get us here, actually. Get us to Lock's Heath. It got, it got in a weird way, used him. And then this past week, on, on, Wednesday, on Tuesday, um, Eddie, just we grabbed a drink together, and he said, Mark, how you doing? He said, how's your eyes? How's this? And he, he just asked questions, and, and I was able just to share some of the, the challenges and things like that, and he was just spoken to my life again. And I thought, do you know what? There is a hope in Jesus through his saints. Eddie didn't know that. He was just going, I'm available to God. And, and, and just at key moments in my life, God just used this man in an incredible way. But I'm sure we all have people in our lives. There, God has put other saints in your life, other followers of him, who just are nudging and encouraging. And they're not just there by accident. They're not just there being good. This is part of God's plan. He's saying, the hope of God in your life can be seen with those people around your life. This is a really key foundational point in helping us to see transformation in our lives and in our community, in, in, our, in our church, and way, way beyond. It's understand as God is bigger, but be personal. Know him more. Know him better. And know the hope that's right there. Some of us, we're wrestling. We're feeling hopeless. We're feeling overlooked. We're feeling marginalized. We're thinking no one cares and we, I'm telling you the truth that God cares. And you're going, yeah, 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 it's in my head. But I also am praying that you may op- God may open the eyes of your heart and see, but there's people who care around you. That God's hope is right there. And this is what Paul is saying. Get that foundation. And he doesn't just do that. He doesn't just say about know him better or know the hope that's in, in, in Jesus and through his saints. He also says, and I want to pray that you may know the power of God. Now, when you think of the word power, I wonder what comes to mind. If I say it's a really, a real powerful person, do you think, of, I got a couple of pictures, do you think of a, of a muscular person like that? Okay, I know, I, I, okay, calm down. And um, <laughs> th- thank you for the member of the congregation, I did wipe out your face, but thank you for that. And it was going, who's that? And um, it's Jim. And uh, do you think of strong? When you think of powerful people, do you think of a powerful person like that? And, and that, 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 is, that is power, isn't it? That, that is power, isn't it? If you say no, I, I, I agree. Go up to a person who looks like that and go, you're not powerful, and then let them hit you. And you go, okay, you're pretty powerful. If you have to push a car or lift something, you want someone like that, don't you? Powerful. Or you may think of power in a bit different. Like there's a, a, a big dam there, and, and the power to hold back that water. All the power is a hydroelectric generator there. And the power that's generated from the flowing waters, water flows and and that power of electricity, which does so much, there's a lot of power involved with that. 
Or maybe the power of a storm. You've seen an electrical storm discharge or thunder that, that rumbles the whole place. You think the PA is loud as here. Imagine doing thunder that can shake the whole area. Anyway, uh, that, that's a subwoofer and a half, isn't it? But the power of God that, that just moves, that, that's incredible power in there. Or maybe the power, that's the biggest um, aircraft carrier in the world. It's a massive thing run by a nuclear reactor. That, there's a lot of power on that ship. There's also power in the person who captains the ship and who does that. So, so power comes in strength, it comes in, in influence, it comes in capturing and converting, it comes in lots of different ways. So when Paul says, I want you to know how big God is, I want you to know him better, I want you to know the hope, but I also want to know you to know the power that's within you. What do you think of when you think you've got the power of God within you? What comes to mind? Is it strength? Because Paul says that. He said, it's the strength that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, who thinks it takes a lot of strength to raise someone from the dead? Uh, maybe not muscle strength, but that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Well, that power is in you. The power that says that he raised Jesus to the right hand of the Father, above all powers and principalities and authorities around. There's an authoritative power, and Jesus has been elevated to that thing, and that power is in you. The power that goes beyond time, that goes past, present, and future. It's not just limited to the now, but he says, I've got your future in my hands, and I also know your past, and I've got it. That power is in you. That power that is above everything and in everything is the God Almighty. His power is you. And he's saying, I don't want you just to learn it in your head. I want you to know that in your heart. I want you to know God better. Because Paul said, this is how we see more of God. But let's get more personal here. Those areas that you're wrestling with, those challenges before you, be they relational or health or finance or maybe some of the, the stuff at work or at school or in our country or kids being noisy outside. The power, the power of God is not just a theoretical power. It's a power that says that I can do something. I can change something. I can move. Is he said, I want you to know that power. Who could deal with some of that power in their lives? Well, Paul is saying, I, my prayer is that you might know, not just in your head, but in your life, because that's the power he wants to show in your life. That's the power at our disposal. The whole heart of this second chunk of the book of Ephesians, of, of this first chapter, is understanding that the power of Jesus is, is there. The hope of Jesus is there. He's saying, I want you not just to know the theory, but I want you to know that in practice. I want you to know him better. I wonder how well do you know Jesus? Because the way you know Jesus impacts how you walk into those challenges around. Your relationship with Jesus, how you view Jesus, who is with you, makes a difference. A number of years ago at a conference, um, just to wind up, they, they asked, there was an older pastor in the, con- in the congregation, and they said, would you just pray a blessing over us as the conference ends? Would you just, just pray, just whatever you want, just say something over the congregation. Uh, and uh, they gave him a mic, he had no preparation, he just stood up, and they recorded it. And what he recorded, what they recorded was phenomenal. A man who knew Jesus. Listen to how he described Jesus. This is the God he knows. Watch the video. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. 
He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the miracle of the age. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. Well, he's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Praise that the power of the wisdom and the revelation of the Spirit that you might know him better. I love that line. I wish I could describe him. <laughs> see, but when we, Paul knew, that pastor knew, is the more you see of Jesus, the more you know him personally, not just the bigness of him in your knowledge, but actually the personal in your heart, is it changes things. Because that's the Jesus we bring into our situations. That's the one who takes out challenges. That's why Paul didn't say, now take on the enemy. He went, just know Jesus better and let him do it. I wonder, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you need to know him better? That is not to condemn, 
That's to cheer you on. Let's pray.